What's up and welcome to Ask Father Josh, the podcast where I get to listen to your questions, pray with them, and hopefully respond in such a way that it's helpful for you to become a saint in your walk toward eternity. Here's how the show goes. You hit me up with three to five questions dealing with anything and everything from morality to spirituality, relationship advice, evangelization, catechesis, dogma, apologetics, works of justice, acts of charity, the list goes on. I will sit with your questions, pray with them, study them, and hopefully respond to you in such a way that it's helpful for you to become a saint. However, my disclaimer is this, I am not perfect, therefore the advice that I share with you might not be good for you. If that's the case, please reject whatever it is that I say that does not help you to become a saint, to grow in your relationship with Jesus. But if my advice is helpful but difficult, I really want to encourage you to lean into Jesus Christ in prayer and study and scripture and sacraments and fellowship so that God can give you the graces you may need over time. If you are a first time listener, you can hit me up with your own questions at www com slash askfatherjosh you can comment critique hit me up with questions you can also share with me your own glory stories give me feedback on previous shows today's show and future shows you can also rate us and review us on itunes and other podcast formats you can share us on your social media pages this helps other people find out about the show if it's a gift for you potentially it can become a gift for other people as well on today's show we are going to talk about the vernacular translation of the Bible, the second coming of Jesus, and who are God's chosen people, the Jews or the Catholics? That is the question. But before we get into those really good questions, I want to share with you a glory story. So my glory story is this, y'all. I uh, I'm so so blessed to be able to to have a few friends in my life who are religious sisters. Shout out to Sister Josephine Garrett, even though she don't listen to the show. Some of her sisters do, so shout out to Sister Josephine. Shout out to Sister Miriam James and Tracy, and uh, but also shout out to the Mercedarian Sisters of the Blessed Sacrament. They are so beautiful. They are such gifts. And uh, recently, I was able to sit down and have lunch with them, and it was just one of those Holy Spirit moments where as we were having lunch and we were sharing hearts and listening to each other's stories during the conversation, we would just stop and we would pray and Holy spirit was just all over the place. And then we would talk and eat and share and listen and pray. And I I literally had like those like shivers from the top of my head to the bottom of my toes. Almost the entire time we were just sharing hearts with each other. And so it was such a gift. So shout out to the Mercedarian Sisters of the Blessed Sacrament. And thank you for being in love with Jesus because it was edifying for me and it filled me up. Fill me up. Yes. Till I overflow. Come on. I want to run over. Yeah. I want to run over. Fill me up. Yeah. Till I overflow. I want to run over with the Lord, with the Holy Spirit, with the love of God. That's the goal. Like, wouldn't it be beautiful to just enter into every situation, just 
being so possessed by the Holy Spirit that we're just overflowing and that people encounter God when they encounter us. Oh, God, give us that grace to long for that. Mm. Also got some feedback. I am so grateful that you are a leader in our church. I appreciate your humility, your vulnerability, your wisdom, and all the gifts that God has given you that you are using to bring unity within the entire body of Christ. I'm praying for you daily and praying for more holy black priests like you to inspire all of our brothers and sisters to discern God's call on their lives. Thank you so much. I don't have your name. I think this is probably anonymous, but thank you so much for this feedback. I desire to be humble. I desire to be wise, and I pray I'm just vulnerable enough to where I could be a bridge for everybody to come to Jesus. That's what God wants. Jesus Christ desires unity. He prayed for it in John 17. And the only way that we are going to fulfill the desires of Jesus to bring about unity is if we are, you know, completely obedient to his his commission, his, his mandate to go out and make disciples of all nations. And so, yeah, just uh, pray for me that I can always be that bridge. And if I'm not, pray for me to be corrected and for me to repent and be reformed and uh, in my walk toward eternity. But but God help us. God help us to to be about the mind of Christ and to do the the will of God, fulfill the plan of God, the designs that He's given to us to to really bring about unity. And so just encouragement, if you notice that people that you are following on social media are in books that you are reading or in blogs that you are subscribed to or in videos that you are watching or on podcasts that you are listening to, that the people on those outlets are causing unnecessary division, then we need to ask who are they following right now? Who are they being inspired by? If it's unnecessary division, it is not of the Lord, right? Every now and then we got to be divisive and say, this is wrong, this is right. But sometimes people just get foolish out there and they make unnecessary comments and they do unnecessary things. And so if that's the case, then I really want to encourage you to fast from those sources and just go to the word of God instead. Be like, you know what, Lord, I'm a fast from this person right now because they are just being unnecessarily divisive and they are not being charitable. And I ain't got no time for that, right? Nah, we don't have time for that. So, um, Mm-mm. Not today, Satan. Fall back, bro. So yeah, let's bring about unity. Let's make Jesus smile. Let's console his heart, fulfill his desires, be about his business. Now, speaking about God's business, God has chosen people. So let's get into the first question of the show. All right, first question comes in from Gemma. Gemma is the name of a young lady who I confirmed today. We had confirmation tonight. We have it again tomorrow night with the bishop, and then Friday I'm doing it again. And so Gemma was one of the saint names that was chosen. Shout out to Saint Gemma. All the passion you have for the love of the Lord. It's about God's chosen people. Father Josh, first, I'm so grateful. I'm grateful, 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 grateful for having found your podcast. It has helped me to grow in my faith and come to understand it. I pray that God sees all of your good works and rewards you eternally for this. Oh, please, God, help me. I want to be a saint. Yes, Lord, please draw me to heaven. Uh, I am genuinely stuck on understanding something, and I thought I would ask, are Jews, by religion, not by race, God's chosen people after the resurrection of Jesus, if they do not accept Jesus as Messiah? My understanding is that Jesus, God made flesh, was the fulfillment of the old covenant because he became the bread of life and Mary became the new Ark of the Covenant. But what does this mean for Jewish people who did not accept Jesus as king and therefore do not believe in the Trinity? 
Are Christians baptized now the new chosen people, or are both groups still God's chosen people? Keeping in mind the difference between Jews by religion and Jews by race. This would help me so much. Thank you. Yes, so good question. Let's go to the church. Nostra Aetate, Second Vatican Council. The church teaches us that God holds the Jews most dear for the sake of their fathers. He does not repent of the gifts he makes or the cause he issues, right? Um, so the Catechism in the Catholic Church, it clearly teaches us that in the Bible, there's an Old Testament and a New Testament. I call it the OT and the NT. And the Old Testament is just as necessary as the New Testament. The New Testament is just as necessary as the Old Testament. All the books are inspired. They are inerrant. They are infallible. They are valuable. We need to pay attention to the Old Covenant and the New Covenant, Old Testament and the New Testament. And so the book of Genesis teaches us that God chose Abraham and God chose Abraham and his descendants. And so it's really important that we pay attention to that God chose Abraham. Deuteronomy says this, for you are a people holy by the Lord, your God, the Lord, your God has chosen you from all the peoples on the face of the earth to be a people, especially his own. It was not because you are more numerous than all the peoples that the Lord has his heart on you and chose you, for you are really the smallest of all the peoples. It was because the Lord loved you and because of his fidelity to the oath he has sworn to your ancestors. These Jewish people have been called to this unique, they've been chosen by God to be in this unique relationship with God. This is really important for us to pay attention to, but we also need to recognize this. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, St. Peter writes, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people, that you may declare the wonderful deeds of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. The church, the church of God is now the place where God's chosen people in the Old Testament and those who are baptized now, Jew and Greek alike, slave and free, man and woman, boy and girl, black and white and Asian and indigenous, and Latino, right? We can all come to experience the goodness of the Lord, the goodness of the Lord. So yes, it's both in the Jewish people. Yeah, they're, they're God's chosen people, but so are we by virtue of our baptism. And so uh, if you if you notice in last Sunday, it was Good Shepherd Sunday. Jesus said like he was talking about the, the, the people that are in the fold and how uh, the, the Good Shepherd dies for his sheep. He says, but there are some who are not here yet. There are others who are not with us. He was talking about the, the Gentiles. He was talking about all of us. But he's like, I'm going to come out and get them and bring them in. They're going to be brought to the people of God. They're going to be brought into this new and everlasting covenant so that there aren't going to be two kinds of people in the world anymore, the, the chosen people and the pagans or the Israelites and the Gentiles. There's just going to be one flock, one flock, one shepherd, one Jesus, going to be Lord over all the peoples, not just the Israelites as it once was in the time of the prophet Ezekiel. It's like, no, nah, yeah, the, the Israelites, they are chosen, but so are we, right? So are we. This does not mean that it's good for, for Jewish people to explicitly reject the divinity of Jesus Christ and the new covenant that he has established um, because this covenant in his most precious blood, it is the fulfillment of everything that the Jewish people had received and, and really have been longing for. Um, and so, as opposed to just getting rid of the old chosen people, he adds to the number of chosen people, those who have faith in him uh, by virtue of their baptism. 
And so, again, we got to go back to the New Testament. St. Peter says, you, he's talking about me and you. We're a chosen race, royal priesthood. And so, uh, both and. It's a both and. The Catholic Church is all about the both and. Both and, not either or. Both and. Speaking of the Bible, there are vernacular translations of the Bible. So, Anonymous writes this. Next question. I was recently challenged by an Anglican friend of mine about the concept of sola scriptura. It led me to wonder why the church would not allow anyone to read the scripture in their own language until Vatican II. What was the reason behind this belief and how has the Catholic Church grown since allowing the Bible to be printed in a language other than Latin anonymous? So the Bible, when the church first began, there was no Bible. Just so we're clear, the Bible was put together in the year 382 by Pope Damascus at the Council of Rome. Um, and then again, it was affirmed at the Council of Carthage and Hippo. And, um, but whenever he put the Bible together, because before there was a bunch of books floating around, nobody knew which books were inspired and because there was no Jewish canon, right? There was, there was no official Jewish canon either. And so people would go to the church. Jesus gave us the church. It's the pillar of truth of our foundation, right? So the apostles, their successors, where you went. You couldn't go to the Bible. There was no Bible. So Pope Damascus put the Bible together, inspired by the Holy Spirit, Council of Rome. And after that happened, he invited St. Jerome to translate the Bible into Latin. And so Jerome did this because Latin was like the language of the church. So he did this because he wanted the Bible to get out there to everybody so that people could read the Bible. The church did not teach before Vatican II that lay people could not read the Bible. That was never a teaching of the church. Maybe your pastor taught that. Maybe a sister in your parish taught that. Maybe a lay minister taught that. But that was never a teaching of the church. And so I, I remember talking to a former nun one time. She came to my church. She was like, yeah, I'm so happy you're talking about the Bible and the scripture because back when I was a nun, uh, the church taught that we weren't allowed to read the Bible. And I, was, and I said, so I'm sorry, sister, that's just not true. The church did not teach that. Your sisters taught you that. The priest may have taught you that, but that was never a teaching of the church. Just like Humana Vitae, right? The church comes out and says, like, contraception ain't good. Humana Vitae, it's the church teaching. What happened in America? All these bishops and priests and lay people began to reject it and began to say, that oh, we, don't, we ain't going to listen to that. So the church has always wanted us to all read the Bible. St. Jerome said, ignorance of Scripture is ignorance of Christ. And that was back in the year, like, the 4th century, right? So um, it's, it's really it's a disservice whenever we have that false narrative that the church did not want people to read the, read the Bible or pray with the Bible or study the Bible. The, the greatest saints read the Bible and, and they studied the Bible and the greatest scholars of the church, they continue to point us to the, the need to, to be men and women of the word. St. Augustine's conversion happened by picking up the Bible and reading while, while he was a pagan. Um, and so, yeah, that's just not, the church has never failed to give the Bible to, to her children. It was in Latin for so long because that was the universal language, like that was the, the, the language that brought us to the church, like the oneness of the church. Uh, we could all like, we could be in, you could be African, you could be Asian, you could be European, Latin American, North American, from any continent in the world. And when it came to the church, we were all united in Latin. Like that was that was the gift of Latin. It was um is is it is what kind of unified us. And so, but again, the Bible, if one had a a, a translation that was readable for them, they were certainly encouraged to do it. Otherwise, learn Latin and read, right? Yeah, so so that's what that is. But yeah, but the, the church did not discourage people from, from learning Latin um, or reading scripture. With that being said, let's take a break and we're going to dive into our final question whenever we get back. Okay, here's the gut check right here because if nothing changes, nothing changes. Do you want to be holy? And do you want to be an instrument of renewal in this world? 
And if so, do you believe it's possible? Do you know what it looks like? Do you know where to begin? Because if nothing changes, nothing changes. My name is Father Mark Mary. I'm a Franciscan friar of the Renewal. And I wrote a book called Habits for Holiness. And it pulls from over 800 years of Franciscan tradition, wisdom, and experience of radical and total discipleship in the midst of the world, but in a way which begins with little steps and works not only for religion, not only for priests, but for everybody. The change you desire is possible. The conversion you desire is possible. The renewal you desire is possible. The healing you desire is possible. And it begins with little steps. So to guide you on your way and to help you make the next best step of renewal in your life, I'd invite you to pick up a copy of my book, Habits for Holiness. God bless you. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. Speaking of welcome back, let's welcome back the second coming of Jesus Christ. So this question about the second, here's some good questions. Father Josh, thank you for everything you're doing and for the knowledge you are providing through your questions and the answers to difficult questions. You are truly providing Catholics with knowledge that creates for a stronger faith. My question is regarding the return of Jesus. I have a friend that practices in the Southern Baptist faith. He and I recently had a friendly discussion on the topic of the return of Jesus and the end times. I know this can be a difficult topic as many have different views. My friend said that Jesus will return not only in his lifetime, but went further to say that it would happen within 10 years. In his defense, he did say that this was only his opinion. His reasoning is due to all the bad stuff which is going on in the world, such as COVID-19 and acts of violence. Although these are very bad situations, I feel like these are situations that are comparable to others in history. I truly believe that there is still a ton of good people in the world that are out there doing great things. I've also been taught that nobody knows the time in which Jesus will return. Amen. I understand that we should always prepare ourselves. Prepare the way. Prepare the way. Prepare the way of the Lord. And work towards being closer to God, the closer I get to God. But I don't think we have the ability to predict when Jesus will return. you dang right. Can you please weigh in on this topic? Thank you again for everything you're doing for our Catholic community. Please know that my family and I will be praying for you from Matt. Matt, that is a really good question. And you are 100% correct. Ding, ding, ding. Your friend says that God will come back in 10 years. That's his opinion. And he can have any opinion he wants. But the word of God is very clear that nobody knows the day or the hour. And so your friend does not know the day or the hour. And so by your friend saying it's going to happen in 10 years, your friend is incorrect and is going up against scripture. And I believe Southern Baptists believe in Sola Scriptura. So your friend is going to against the word of God. So I would encourage your friend to repent of that. God bless him uh, for having his opinion, but his opinion is not biblical. And so if my opinion is not biblical, then I need to uh, I need to abide in the word of God. That's what John 15 says, remain in my word, remain in my word. So I got to let the word of God appear from my mind so I cannot just go about giving my opinions. But the word says nobody knows. So why even play the game of saying, oh, it's going to happen this year or next year? Every time somebody does that, it never happens then. As far as things being really bad right now with COVID and acts of violence, I mean, Matt, come on now. Things have been bad. In America, we had slavery for hundreds of years where black people were raped and tortured and, and lynched and they were their families were separated. In America, we have abortion right now, which is illegal. We have the, the Holocaust happened um, in, in the lifetime of, of, of our parents and grandparents. Uh, there's been so many just terrible things have happened. Diseases and plagues have happened for, for years. What's unique about COVID is it seems to be a worldwide plague 
which has affected the church worldwide, not just like a specific place or you know space or place. But you know, the Word of God does teach us in Matthew twenty four seven, there will be famines and earthquakes in various various places. Um, so we need to also pay attention to like it's not just about like COVID hit just now, but there's been famines happening in parts of Africa. Um, there has been so much suffering in other parts of the world that sometimes we can get, I think, caught up in our, you know, our lens of of first world problems that we forget that there are people who have been dying from plagues and diseases and experiencing earthquakes and acts of violence for a very long time. And Jesus ain't come back yet. So when he does come back, I will be the first one to say, welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. Unless I'm already uh, in the beatific vision, then I'll just be waiting for my body to get back to my soul so I can experience that glorified body. But um, yeah, I would just say this, that we should always be prepared. We don't do not know, which is why it's just important for us to always be in a state of grace. And so if you listen to my podcast right now and you are in mortal sin um, and you need to go to confession, go receive God's love and mercy. No matter what you've done, there's nothing God cannot and will not forgive in the sacrament of reconciliation. Uh, so this is an opportunity to keep death before our eyes, certainly, but it is it is not prudent in any way, shape or form to begin to predict the end of the world when it's going to happen because we just won't know. We're not going to know. The Pope won't know. The bishop won't know. Uh, visionaries won't know. Mystics won't know. Only the Lord. He did not say, no, I will know, but my mystics, like not even the mystics. So when you meet a mystic who says they're special, like tell them fall back, special mystic, because you ain't right in the head because uh, nobody's going to know. So all we can do is try our best to remain in his love, to abide in relationship with him on earth so that we can remain in that relationship in heaven. With that being said, uh, y'all keep my parish in prayers. I was able to do confirmation today. I got confirmation again tomorrow night with my bishop. And we got confirmation again Friday night. And then on Saturday, we got first communion. So some of our kids are going to get to receive the flesh and the blood of Christ. Eat my flesh and drink my blood and you will have eternal life. It's going down here at Holy Rosary. And uh, yeah, I'm just so grateful. So grateful to be able to be in this community and to walk with these people as they receive the sacraments for the first time. Yeah, he's so good. He's so good, so good, so good. So uh, with that being said, I'm going to go pray night prayer. If you can't tell, it's night right now. I uh, I lost my voice this morning, so I couldn't record a podcast this morning because my voice was totally gone. But it's back now, and so I'm going to go pray night prayer. Tell the Lord I love him in the Blessed Sacrament, and then I'm going to go to bed and hopefully have some anointed dreams where I can perceive the voice of God even when I sleep. Wouldn't that be nice? All right, y'all. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Blessed Mother, we entrust this whole podcast to you, to your prayers as we pray, Hail Mary. For the grace the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.